Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everyone, you're welcome to another edition of the Game of Sunday podcast. Michael Lester here with you. Do you know what? At this time of the year, we still have lots of things to talk about. And we have Tomas Valkahi with us here, as usual. Um, but also, I'm thrilled that we're joined on this particular podcast by legend of Gaelic football, Mayo football, Cora Staunton. Cora, how are you? It's good to have you with us. I'm good, Michael. Thank you. How are you? Do you know what? If I got any better now, I'd get dizzy. Um, it's... <laughs> Do you know what? I, I was I was saying to Cora before we started re- recording all this kind of thing, I, I know where Cora comes from in the sense that uh, I know that neck of the woods between Ballinrobe and Castlebar and Lockcarra and uh, all that kind of thing. What a lovely part of the world. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's a nice and um, peaceful world, surely, down here. Um, yeah, we're a roaring off area, um, very centred uh, all of the major towns in, in uh, Mayo, between Ballinrobe, Castlebar, Demaris, Westport. So, yeah, I'd like to say we live in central Mayo, but a lot of people say we live probably in the middle of nowhere. But, um, yeah, I certainly like it, and it's um, yeah, certainly different from the, the bright lights of Sydney, I suppose, where I've been for, for the last number of years. Well, that's it, exactly, yeah. And you have a famous abbey, Yelp, you see down there as well, too far from you. Yeah, yeah, Ballantrobe Abbey isn't isn't too far away. So, you know, obviously, and my club is a Carnacon, but it's, you know, I don't know, back in the time, it's set up different to the boys' club, but our parish is Ballantrobe. So, yeah, our boys' club is Ballantrobe. Um, so, yeah, um, it's the same club, Carnacon and Ballantrobe. And, yeah, so the abbey is pretty famous. A, a lot of famous people have got married over the years there, yeah. So still big numbers coming to it. I was at a wedding, Cora, there a couple of years ago, just before the COVID thing and all that kind of stuff uh, down there. Um, am I right in thinking, Yvonne Sudawan, former Rosa Tralee, is she from near you? Yeah, she lives um, probably from my home house, probably lives a mile away from me. Um, she was in the same class, actually, in, in national school as me, and her dad was my um, principal in school um, when I was in, in um, primary school in, in Carnacone, so... 
Um, Evie Kemtors, actually, I think when we were in fourth class, she was in an Irish school in Casabar because her mom yeah. was in there. So, um, yeah, Evie's dad, Art, was my principal for, for my time in school and taught me then when I think it was in fourth, fifth and sixth. So would have been one of the main reasons that I was involved in sport. He pushed me into many sports at the time, whether it was Gaelic football or rounders or handball or, or basketball. And I suppose my first All-Ireland I ever won was under Art, um, um, an All-Ireland in, in Crow Park in the handball alley there when I think I was maybe 10 or 11 years of age. Do you know what? I, 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 I was nearly going to start this, Cora, by listing your achievements in sport. But I actually said to myself, if I do the podcast will actually be over by the time I get to the end of it. Uh, so I, I just, I just put down two. You have four All Irelands, obviously, with Mayo, eleven All Stars, yeah, yeah, and national leagues, obviously, and and also with the club there, uh, which was successful as well. Um, but let me, let me begin at the end, if you will, yeah, uh, because this year. You decided to draw the curtain on your career in Aussie rules football. Yeah, yeah, I suppose I made that decision. I suppose I'd done six years in Sydney. Um, you know, when I went over there in 2000, the end of 2017, it was probably only meant to be for, for one season. I ended up doing six seasons. And yeah, um, I suppose I always kind of said to me, if the if the enjoyment is gone or if the body is slowing up a little bit or not able to do it anymore, I'd probably finish up and... Yeah, it was probably the latter. Um, I suppose it's time. The body only can take so much. And, you know, I suppose time stands still for no one. And I, I suppose, yeah, I probably got the best out of myself over a long career. Um, you know, I was probably 41 when I retired. And I suppose a lot of people were trying to retire me when I was probably 29. <laughs> so, yeah, I probably got a good extra 10 years out of it. But, yeah, I, I really enjoyed my t- time in Sydney. And I suppose getting the opportunity to be a professional sports person probably was the highlight of it all. Um, you know, I suppose as a young person growing up, you know, I've often told the story, I thought I was going to be playing for Manchester United and going to be Roy Keane because that's who I followed when I was growing up. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so to get the opportunity to, to be a professional sports person for, you know, six years was huge towards into my career, obviously. Can I, can I just say to you, Cora, as a Manchester United fan, you're probably better than most of the ones that were on the team at the moment. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, a, I, I'm a, I, I tend to agree with Jen. Um, yeah, I'd struggle to probably know a lot of them now, um, you know, even though I'd still follow them. But yeah, I suppose I grew up in the era of that um, Roy Keane, very good team, and you know the likes of the Nevilles and David Beckham, Paul Scholes, you know, all of them. I was I was a huge fan from when I was probably seven or eight years of age, and yeah, I'd Roy Keane posters all over my in my bedroom wall, you know. When I was, oh, great to hear! Great to hear! Great to hear! Did, yeah, did, do you know I'll be one like fan as well. Yeah. Yeah. Big man. Yeah. I, 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 I totally, I totally understand what Cora is saying here because uh, yesterday evening, because this, this time of my life, because I'm retired, I seem to have sick all to do with myself. And I was sitting down in front of the television at four o'clock watching uh, Manchester United against Manchester City match from about 25 years ago. And do you know the way you're thinking to yourself? What am I doing with my life here? <laughs> you know, 
But a lot of those, a lot of those people who are playing, uh, obviously, you know, Gary Neville and bloody blah and all those kind of stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting you say that, Mike, because last night I was roaming through televisions as well and I, I got to Man United TV and it was, uh, the 1999 FA Cup semi final replay against Arsenal in, yeah. um, in, in Highbury and Roy Keane was, was, was just majestic that day. But Cora, I, I don't know if you, if you can remember that match. That was the that was the Ryan Geeks goal Ryan that he got, yeah, yeah. Sure, and the short taken off, and he run around the pitch and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. interesting. Tomas, <laughs> I, I I specifically remember that because I remember watching that in a hotel down in Kenmare in Kerry, where myself and my wife took a, a weekend away. Uh, she didn't think she was going to end up watching football like for the weekend, but anyway, uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we should look. We 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 eat boring legs. Or let's go back to you. Could I ask you one question? Could I ask you one question, Cora? Um, in terms of your professional career, I mean, you mentioned the six years in Sydney. What 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 was it like to go from, let's say, the amateur status to the professional status? We we hear so much about the modern game at the moment that the GA is a professional game, our professional, but in an amateur status in terms of preparation. What well, what was the difference by going from amateur to professionalism? Yeah, th- there's not a, much of a difference in terms of you know um, how fish and and physically it'd be over here. Like you know your level of fitness and you know playing for inter county is much the same. I suppose the biggest difference I found was the, the, the downtime and the recovery that, you know, you didn't now have to get up at seven o'clock in the morning to be at work and do a full day's work and then, you know, try to train um in the evening or if you got up in the morning to do your gym session and, and do a full day's work. I yes. suppose was, it was all the time that you had to to make yourself better. You know, I, I obviously being asked by a lot of people that go over now, um, you know, you know, can I make it? And I say, well, everything is there in, in front of you to make it. If you don't make it, it's your own fault, you know, because you have all the resources, all the time, um, you know, all of the staff there to make you better. So that was the biggest thing for me. You know, the challenge is obviously huge, but, you know, for me, it's just have all that time to spend to try and make yourself better. And that's, you know, not, not just on field, that was in all around education and learning the game, but, you know, yeah. also making yourself fitter, stronger, more powerful. And, and then obviously the skills, you know, you, you just had so much time and, and then the resources and the facilities as well. Like everything is in the one building. You know, it's a, it's a big facility and everything's there when you go in. You can go in at any time of the day and night. You know, you just swipe in and you're in there. And if you want a doctor, if you want a physio, if you need a sports psychologist, if you need a kicking coach or if you need a defensive coach, you know, whatever it might be, everything is in there in the one building. You don't have to be running around racing to get it. And, and um, I suppose the athlete is, is the is at the forefront, and they're just there to try and make you better. So, yeah, it was probably all that. It was probably the biggest thing was having the time to to make yourself better. Where with, with Gaelic football, obviously, you give so much time, but you have a life outside of it that you're trying to juggle as well. And no matter how well you juggle your life, it you know it's it, at a time it can become a very hard balance act. And you know, some days you go into inter intercounty training after a very heavy day's work, you're tired. Yes. Emotional or whatever, and but you just don't have that over there. Um, it's all about looking after yourself and being, being the best you can be for you know whether it's a two or three hour training session or for for the game at the weekend. You're always fully prepared and ready to go. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And I'm, I'm, I'm right in saying, Cora, that when you were out in Sydney, uh, with Sydney Giants, um, your, your visa didn't allow you to get a job. Am I right in thinking? Yeah, so over there and the current in the current situation with the majority of players now, there's some players that, you know, because they've been there for a number of years, have got, you know, residency over there. But the majority of the Irish players over there aren't able to work. The only organization you can work for is, is the club. So some clubs didn't might give you a secondary work, depending on, you know, your pay scale and stuff. So some mm-hmm. girls might work in the, the club shop or you know, in my couple of years over there, you might be involved in coaching and, and, and learning the game and stuff like that. But majority girls can only work. So in my case, I could only work for the Giants. Um, you know, yeah. say in Eilish Constance case, when she was with Adelaide Crows, she only could work with the Crows. So you don't have that secondary work that she can, you know, go outside and, and earn her extra money. So what it ends up being is that you're in the club all the time. If you're doing a bit of extra work around the club, you're there all the time. So... As I said, you have every facility at hand and foot. If you want to do an extra kicking session or if you want to do an extra gym session or just even watching some vision and learning the game, you're always in there and everything is on hand and foot. You don't you don't be waiting around for everything. So I suppose as a, a ladies footballer, you probably shouldn't have anywhere near the facilities and, and, and certainly from a medical point of view as well, obviously, you know, ended up having a couple of major injuries over there, but like medically you're looked after so well, everything's done within a 24 hour period and sorted out and, you know, your your stage of recovery or when you're at. When you say a couple of injuries, um, obviously Aussie rules football is tough. Um, you had a broken leg, a broken nose, I think a broken finger, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I couple, yeah. So I, I broke my leg. Obviously, that was the major one in, in four places. I think I broke my nose three times over there at surgery. Twice. Yeah, uh, broke my broke my thumb, and then yeah, had kind of other injuries where you needed stitches and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I recovered from them all. That was the main thing. As I said, the care that you get over there from a medical point of view, even the the day I broke my leg, to see that the the plan that goes in place. You know, I broke my leg probably two or three o'clock on a Saturday and you know you have club people on to you sort out a surgeon to do your operation and you know you're not allowed you know they're they're sorting everything out you're, you know you're not just having any old surgeon doing your, doing your operation <laughs> you're having a plan <laughs> of- <laughs> um, yeah. you know. so yeah it's just them things that you don't probably you take maybe take for granted and stuff but it's when you go over and see that the other side of the world and the care that you get for the next kind of six seven months um you know, the resources that you're given to, to get back on, on, on the track and make sure that you're, first of all, back to full health and that you can do everyday stuff and, and then get back to, to playing is, is huge. So, 
yeah, they're the biggest things for me that you probably you don't get maybe here in the GEA. And, and again, that's because it's it's a business and it's, you know, there's there's big money in the AFL, you know, whether it's men's or women, they're a very powerful organisation in Australia. Of course they are. Um, in terms of, of yourself, in terms of going to Australia, um, that came, Cora, a little bit later in life because I think you were in your mid-30s when you made that move. Yeah, I was 35 and obviously the way it came about was a huge shock to me, you know, it was just I, I met a guy randomly when I was an ambassador for the GEA out in Shanghai in, in China and it was just a conversation. He worked for the Giants, Nicholas Walsh at the time, he was from Cavan and that was in October and uh, six, seven months later I got an email from him saying, you know, there's a um, a guy here that I'd like to talk to, he'd just been appointed the coach the, of the women's team and Nick had worked with him and yeah, phone call and emails later and a couple of months later, you know, I went out for a trial and kind of the rest was history. Came back came back home in the meantime and won on All-Ireland to Carnacone and went back out then. But, but when, when you say the rest is history, um, I, I, I read something about you where it said going out on that flight, you weren't even sure whether you should be doing this. Yeah, that, that was definitely sure. I suppose this was probably less than 48 hours after we won the Club All-Ireland in, in, in Dublin that evening. Um, you know, I was won that on a Sunday evening and flew to flew to Australia on a kind of Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening. So, yeah, I probably wasn't in, in a very good headspace that, that day, surely after a few days of celebrating. But, um, yeah, it was just kind of, I had said yes and I knew I was always coming home because when, when I came back home um, to to Carnacun that time we were in the Connacht final um, you know I came back home on a Sunday we were in the Connacht final the following Sunday and yeah we went on a bit of a journey and obviously won the All-Ireland and then yeah I just was never sure of what I was doing and yeah it was a bit daunting I suppose um, you know the older year as well is probably a little bit more daunting and then trying to go out and pick up a, pick up a new sport are you going to be able for it are you going to be fit enough you know you have all these doubts in your head um, you know, I suppose you're you're going from maybe the top of your game here or being being one of the top players over here now to being, you know, at the bottom of the pile. And, you know, you've probably teammates over there questioning, questioning you as well as and who are you coming over here? What do you know about the game? So, yeah, it took a little while to, to build the trust and respect of teammates and, and that. But, you know, that just comes down with hard work and, and training. And, yeah, I, I probably became very obsessed with the game early and, was training, you know, seven days a week and at times, you know, the staff within the club were like, you can't be training all the time, you know, yeah. you want to wear yourself out. But yeah, I just, like Anthony else, I found it, a, it was a challenge and as a challenge, you know, I wanted to be good. Anthony, I, I suppose I put my hand, to, uh, hand at, I want to be good. And yeah, that was kind of my motto, you know, the more I train, the better I get. Tomas, do you, do you, do you ever regret or think about the fact that um, obviously, there, there's a, a sort of a connection between Gaelic football and Aussie rules football, but obviously, there's no connection between Hardy and anything that happens in Australia. No, no, and look, I suppose uh, in terms of the professional status of the game, yeah, I played a bit of soccer in my time. You always kind of say to yourself, I played. In an, in, a, in an FAI under fourteen cup final against with a cup a, a, a team of Cork Promote Athletic against Home Farm it was handy enough for the soccer, but hurling was always the first love. Hurling football was always the first love, and you began to set yourself afterwards when you see guys the mass exodus that was there at, in Ireland at the time. People going across this, the water to play in different clubs in in, in, in England, and 
um, would there would there would there ever been an opportunity like um, you take like a Dave Barry kind of dual status Gaelic football mm-hmm. thing over there as well? Like was but look, no, they, I mean for me, no, it was it was just purely hurting um, in, in Cork. But uh, Cora, I, just in terms of like yeah, you mentioned there about was there pressure on? Uh, did, did you put pressure on yourself in terms of? Like a thirty-five-year-old going over, not knowing the scene, getting into this game was 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 that massive pressure behind you? Then, in terms of God, you have to perform here, you have to be good, and um, because you, you you obviously were used to that as 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 a, as, as a Gaelic footballer, but going over to a different professional standard like that, and then the welcome you got by your teammates, as you mentioned there as well. I mean, who's this girl coming over from Ireland? She's going to take someone's place here. Um, was that tough? Yeah, it was. It, I, I found the first kind of eight weeks very challenging when it's over. Um, but obviously, based on the back of you know not the All Ireland coming over, and then yeah, the first few weeks, the heat over in Sydney was probably a big thing. It was in the middle of summer, and it was probably forty degrees and the humidity. <laughs> Struggling with that, um, yeah, and just picking up, learning the game, and then Christmas time came, and obviously being away from home, that's probably a, a hard time of the year. Um, yeah, and it just took me a while to settle in, and I, I you know, I, I don't like tend to say anything until I, I feel that I have the respect to my teammates. So I just put my head down and tried to work hard, and it, it was mad. It was just we had our first kind of practice match over there, and that was my first kind of scene into you know a proper game, and yeah, that really went really well for me. And I think you know that's when it all just clicked. They seen that I could play a bit, and I felt confidence in what I'd been training over kind of eight, eight ten weeks. Um, and then, yeah, just from there, it was just like a, 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 a flick of a switch. I felt, oh, God, I'm well able to do this. And, you know, my teammates seen I was well able to do it. But, yeah, I, I felt pressure, I suppose, being the first Irish over there and the club taking a huge gamble on me to come over. Um, and, and yeah, you know, I obviously have high standards for myself, whether it's whatever sport I play. And, you know, I didn't want to be going over just being an average player. You know, I want yeah. to go over and, and get the very best out of myself or wear that ration within within the whole competition, then, you know, that that's what it was. But, yeah, so I, 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 no matter what I do, I put huge pressure on myself, you know, whether I'm playing for Carnacon or I'm playing for Mayo or whatever I'm playing, you know, I, I want to be the best at it. And I suppose, you know, that's probably what drives me and, you know, that's what has probably made me the sports person. But, yeah, there was pressure on me, but I suppose... Once I knew I was training hard, and 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 I'm like that over here. Once I know I'm putting in you know, full training, I know I'm going to get the best out of myself. Brilliant, Michael. I suppose not oh, bad. Go on, Nick. go on, yeah, Sydney. Sydney. Michael, just for the two of us, not bad. Sydney, Christmas Day, lying on the beach. Oh, better could it be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? No. I think Christmas Day. I was out out of the club practicing. We had a few days off. I think maybe three or four days off over Christmas. But I was the type. I was out of the club Christmas morning, making sure I was getting an extra session or two in to make sure I was getting up to speed with the game. Tomas, I was actually yeah. I was going to say to Cora, if <laughs> if you and me, Tomas, were out in Sydney, <laughs> yes, I I would be blowing a whistle at you at four o'clock in the morning to get out of the frigging bed, or even maybe to get into the bed. And on to a training session. Laura, <laughs> can I can can I ask you a question here? Um, you've been hugely successful, and Mayo ladies footballers have been hugely successful through your time. Four All Irelands that you have. Um, how do you feel about Mayo in the men's football because they've been so close? And it hasn't happened. 
yeah, I suppose there's many feelings. Obviously, I you know, I, I, I know a lot of the lads, you know, that's played over the past kind of decade, twelve you know, twelve years that have been there kind of through that period, you know, from probably two thousand and twelve, you know, up to kind of the last year or two. Um, you know, the likes of the guys that have retired over the last number of years, you know, the likes of the Lee Keegans, the Cullen Boys, yeah. you know, things like that that I, I know quite well and you know, I'm a Mayo fan at the end of the day and your your only thing is that you just feel so so sorry for them. Um you know, that they haven't got over the line because, you know, we've had some phenomenal players, you know, that I've mentioned, you know, and there's there's many more I can mention, you know, the likes of Shamie O'Shea, Keith Higgins, I could, I could go on and keep mentioning them. And, you know, just the heartache that they've had, they've been so close on so many occasions. And it's just it was so unfortunate in that period of time, you know, they came up probably against the greatest football team we, well, I certainly ever seen, you know, that I'd remember. Um, and it's just so unfortunate that they've come up against them and just, you know, on them big days that uh, maybe a little bit of luck didn't swing their way. But, you know, at the same time as as a Mayo supporter, um, you know, the journey that we've been on with them over that period of time, you know, you'd never, never give that up, even though there's been so much heartache with it. There's so many counties that would love to be in Mayo's shoes that you'd be competing year in, year out. But, no, they're a phenomenal group and their resilience to come back year in, year out and... and put their shoulders to the wheel for Mayo has been phenomenal. Like we've we've produced some of the best footballers, you know, in my time, you know, Lee Keegan certainly I think is up there with the, the greatest footballer that's been produced over the last, you know, ten or twenty years. He's been phenomenal for, for the cause. So yeah, it's just, you know, I suppose you just have loved to to see the guys that have been there for so long get over the line. I'd love to have seen, you know, and, and hopefully it will happen you know, in my lifetime, I'd love to see, you know, how the county reacts and, and what it'd be like. <laughs> yeah. That final whistle at Blow and Crow Park and Mayo would be all Ireland champions. You know, I just think it'd just be absolutely crazy. And, and, and you know, all of that you just love to see. But yeah, unfortunately, it hasn't happened yet. Um, You know, there's still obviously Mayo people always hold out hope and there's hope that this team under Kevin McStay, even though there's been a lot of change and a couple of retirements so far, that he can, you know, mold this team into something and, and, and hopefully, you know, get over the line. There's a fellow, uh, Cora, doing a bit of work for me uh, at the moment. He's from Mayo. Um, and we, we were talking the other day, GEA, obviously, and all that kind of crack. And he says to me, do you know what he says? If Mayo won the fucking All-Ireland, we'd probably give it back. Well, that's probably that's probably true. I don't know about that, but um, yeah, I just think the whole place would be in shock if we won it. As I said, I think the reaction of the Mayo public and what what Castle Bear would be like and what what the towns in Mayo would be like, and you know, I only can talk about my experience when we won our first All Ireland, and you know, it'd obviously be a lot different for 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 the county if, if the men won it. But I I I never forget the time we won it. I was only sixteen, seventeen years of age, and. You know, coming coming in over the of the border there in, in Shrewd and in, in Mayo, and you know, I think we came in maybe six or seven o'clock that evening, but we didn't finish. Yeah. We went to every town and we finished in Ballyhonas. I remember that night at half two that night we arrived into Ballyhonas, and just the the Mayo supporters. I don't, I don't think people and um, people would probably see it, but they're just so passionate, and you know. I just remember the feelings and, you know, put the hairs on, on, on the back of your neck stand. Can you imagine, you know, if, if that happened to the men? I just think, I think you'd have everyone from every other county just coming down to, to see what, what, what it would be like. So, as I said, please God, over the over the next few years or, you know, certainly in my time that I'm around, that we, we, we get to sample it. So I can tell you, Cora, for a fact that if Mayo did win the All-Ireland, you'd have everybody in Galway going down to Mayo 
to celebrate with you. You would, um, Lester. Lester, you would not go without that. You no, you would. You you actually <laughs> you would, no. would die at this, right? I was just going to come in as it Cora. Every county in Ireland would love to see Mayo win the All Ireland. Um, you take it back to the days in terms of like Wexford in 96 and the hurling, dancing at the crossroads, Limerick when they won their first one back in 2018, and a 94 year old, a 95 year old man, and he, he, he with the McCarthy Cup after the, ga- the match, I think, after traveling in from New York for the weekend. And like, I think that you mentioned that brilliantly, Cora. That's what, that's what I'd love to see what it would like, be like in Mayo. What, how would the reaction be from the people? And the other side of it is Galway. My God, they wouldn't travel down. They'd absolutely hate. No, you're, no sorry, sorry, sorry. No, Mulcahy. No. Mulcahy. Yes. You're not the only no, person in Galway. No. Sorry, yeah. sorry, excuse me, Mr. Mulcahy. You do not know what you're talking about here. Because Cora, a moment ago, she mentioned Shrew. If uh, I said this on a previous you podcast. Shrewd, yeah. Yeah. If, if the Brits had drawn the borders straight and then um, There'd be some parts, some parishes in Mayo that would be in Galway, and other parishes that would be in Mayo, Shroon, for example, in one of them, and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's shared, it's shared football. It's it's not it's not the big <laughs> rivalry that you're talking about. I mean, we we share borders. You know, we share borders. And natural fact, if you drove, if you drove, let's say from from let's say east. Galway Mayo to West, you'd be going in and back and over between Mayo and Galway and Mayo and Galway, maybe a bit of Roscommon, etc. and so forth. So that's that's rubbish, Mackay. No, every every county is, is has a border. Every county is tied to a, another county at some way. And the right No, that's, that's no, 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 no. Sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. In 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 your county, the hurling is on one side of it, right? The football is in West Cork, more or less, and and that kind of borders on Kerry. So that doesn't count what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I think there would be a certain part of Galway. I'm obviously I was involved with Galway Camogie this year. I think the hurling side of Galway, um, and from talking to them, you know, that side with your Aston Rye, your Banna Slow, Lapray. Yeah. I think their football probably isn't that strong in, in parts of Galway. You certainly would have them come to celebrate um, you know, Mayo and would love to see them. And then I suppose there's such a huge population of Mayo people living in Galway as well. That of course you would, there is, yeah. You'd have a certain amount of people in Galway that, you know, would be happy they won and you'd have a certain amount that wouldn't. Um, and, you know, it'd be the same here if, if Galway had won <laughs> football, you know, when they played two years ago. There'd be certain, there'd be a certain amount of um, people at Mayo that'd be happy and then there'd be, there'd be a lot that wouldn't. So it's, it's, but you're, it's but you're, you're, you're dead right, Cora, from the point of view that because Galway is a divided county and I, I, I said this uh, on a previous podcast, um, South Galway or as we call it, East Galway is hurting. Yeah. You know, North Galway is football, which is Chewton, Mount Bellew, Bloody Tab, whatever. Corfin, Clare Morris, Castle, you know, so it's all, anyway, that's, we're getting into it. Can I ask you a question? You, you've been on, you've been on over the last since you you kind of step back a little bit. Yeah, on the Sunday game, have you enjoyed that? Yeah, I have. I've really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's obviously a bit daunting when you come in first, but I suppose like like any any GA player, um, you know, if you're not playing, you're always watching it and you enjoy watching it and and getting I suppose to to commentate on it and give your opinion on it is huge. 
Um, yeah, and, and obviously the guys that you're working with as well, you just, you know, you learn so much off them and, and they're so helpful, you know. Um, you know, I've learned so much off the likes of Tomas O'Shea and Kieran Whelan and, and people like that. So, yeah, no, it's it's been very good and it, it just gives you a different lens on it. I suppose when you're when you're involved in playing, you know, you have a different focus and, you know, it's all about winning and, and maybe you don't look at it from the same lens. But, yeah, when you're, when you're sitting and watching it from a different lens, um, you know, Bar probably when Mayo are playing, you, you try to be a little bit more non-biased, but that's probably hard. But no, it's it's been brilliant, as I said. But, you know, it's it's a thing that probably takes you a little bit of time to get into it. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed this year. And as I said, you know, you're you're working with people that, you know, are very, very knowledgeable of the game and, and very helpful in everything, everything they do as well. I don't know if you recall or remember, did you ever play Joanne Cantwell, obviously the presenter of the Sunday game, played fullback for Dublin? Do you know no. that you ever played against her? No, I never came up against her at all. No, I'd have known she'd have played, but no, not in my time. I've never, never come up against her. All right, so yeah, m- maybe we're better off if she played in the full back line. I played in the full forward line. That that might be some battle. You were probably <laughs> lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Will you ever manage a team, Cora? Have you any ambitions? Yeah, I probably will in time. You know, um, I came back from Australia just at, at the end of Christmas this year and, and you know, I got involved with Galway Camogie very early in January. I think I went in with them on the 9th of January kind of as performance coach um, and I'd done a bit of co- coaching with their with their forward line, even though I had no background in, in Camogie. But I, I find the principles of all the games, whether it's AFL, Gaelic football, yeah. whatever it might be, they're all the same. You know, they're yes. movement and, and, and stuff yeah. like that. So I... I I really enjoyed my time with Galway Camogie. I really enjoyed like seeing how a management setup, um, you know, happens, and you know all the different pieces of it. And I suppose when you're on the opposite side of the fence and you're a player, you probably don't see all that. So, and yeah, working with you know working with uh, the girls this year was you know it was hugely impressive. Trying to get the best out of them, you know, it's probably learned a lot. You know, maybe I'd have probably liked to have known, um, you know, my time is playing that. You know, everyone's different. You know, every every whether it's male or female, they're you know everyone's wired differently. I'm certainly wired differently to a lot of, of players, and you know, you ha- to try and get the best out of each individual, you have to work with them and figure out how their motivation. And you know, as as I said to the girls, some of them you know might need a lot of you know encouragement and you know hand around the shoulder, and then the, some might yeah. need the opposite. Um, and it's to figure out that of you know 35 parents how their motivation and stuff. So. Yeah, it, it's it's a big job. It's a big commitment. I think there's certainly it's the thing you just don't throw yourself into. There is a learning phase in it. You know, I've obviously done coaching, you know, in school teams here and, and in our club and stuff like that. But I think inter-county management is a is a very is a very big task to take on, and I think you have to be well prepared for it. So yeah, I'm kind of you know like my kind of apprentice of working with with Galway Camogie, and I I'll certainly go along that lines you know over the next couple of years, and yeah, hopefully down the line I, I would certainly like to get into management. Um, you know I have a, a very big coaching head on me, and you know even when I'm playing with my club, you know a lot of the time on field my coaching head is is is, is you know on, and you know you're trying to coach girls while you play as well, so. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the, being involved in a team and, and I suppose I've, I've known nothing else since I was probably, you know, 10 years of age. Can I say to you, Cora, just to wrap up uh, this podcast and thank you so much for talking to us. Um, if you do go down that line, you will be a brilliant coach. I have absolutely no doubt about that. Thank you. Cora Staunton, Tomas Vakai, thank you so much for being with us here on the podcast this week. We'll talk to you again uh, sometime in the future. Um, but for the rest of it, take care.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.